Jeannie. All right, let's get our Bibles out. And while you're looking for Psalm 23, I just want to remind everybody, if you have not yet got one of our pocket uh, constitutions, isn't that amazing that a country our size is being uh, ruled and reigned by uh, our laws that you can hold something like this in your hand? Isn't that amazing? Aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you glad our forefathers had the wisdom to put it in simple terms? And now if we would just go back and do what it says, our country would be really well off. So you can have these for free. Don't worry about it. Um, if you didn't get one, I'm going to uh, put some on the back table. But would you please read this over? I'm challenging everybody in our church. Take the Constitution. A lot of people don't get taught the Constitution in our country anymore. They're not teaching it in grade school, which can be taught in grade school. It's certainly not being taught in high school anymore. And it is absolutely rejected in college. Now, I heard uh, we went to a little rally Friday night. It was really neat. One of the ladies that's running for uh, this representative, uh, her, her son is actually uh, working in the White House now as an intern. And we were, we were really happy. But he went to a college called Patrick Henry. I have a, um, a nephew that went to Patrick Henry. They're still teaching the uh, Constitution at Patrick Henry. And you can tell by the name Patrick Henry. Amen. Does anybody know who Patrick Henry is? Please tell me yes, you know. Give me liberty or give me death. Who said that? Hey, we're learning something. <laughs> Who was that again? <laughs> Patrick Henry. Yes. Amen. And uh, that, I, I kind of wish I wish I'd have went to two colleges. I wish I went and went to Patrick Henry and Trinity Baptist College. All right. Let's take our Bibles this morning and let's turn over to one of the famous Psalms. Psalm 23. You know that Psalm 23 is one of the most quoted Psalms in the Bible, if not the most quoted at funerals and um so many times when people are, are having a, a, a difficult time, it's a, a tremendous psalm. And uh, I remember one time I had a neighbor, he was passing away. He was very, very sick in the hospital. The family was called. Uh, we went to St. Joseph's and the uh, doctor who was also a Christian man, he came in and he told the family that uh, it's okay now. We're going we're to take the machines and turn them off. And he uh, gently... Uh, stroked the forehead of, um, of my neighbor, uh, and so uh, uh, I'm having trouble remembering his name. It was se just several years ago. But anyway, uh, uh, the doctor uh, uh, just whispered into his ear, it's okay, it's okay to go home now, you can be with Jesus. And we were all in the family and saying goodbye to him. And you know what they wanted me to quote, don't you? It, it wasn't this newfangled garbage you get out of these new, new Bibles. It was Psalm 23. And, and listen, this is a tremendous psalm. I'm going to take a verse out of there today. And uh, before I do, uh, let's go to prayer. And let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts today. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for this day. We love you with all of our hearts. Thank you for this psalm. We pray that, Lord, <clears throat> in, in, in these days you'd bless us like you did, David. And Lord, we know that you spoke through him. It was amazing what you did through that man. You, you, you just uh, 
took care of so many different enemies that were always attacking him. And, and David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the harpist, the musician, the Lord's musician. And Lord, we thank you for all that you did. But Lord, we know what you said to David was not just for him. And what he said was not just for the people around him. What you said through David was for us today. Lord, thank you for giving us this wonderful Bible that has lasted throughout all the decades and centuries for 2,000 years. And, and Lord, thank you for even before then, we have the Old Testament. For thousands and thousands of years, you've been speaking through people and they've been writing it down. And now we have the full, completed, revealed um, Word of God. And we thank you that one day when David was a shepherd, he spoke this song. And it was for us today, too. And we thank you for giving this to us today. Help us to look into it. Help us to be uh, confident and benefit and be enriched by these words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we have this uh, just a short psalm with six little verses. But boy, this is quite a psalm, isn't it? So let's look at uh, one of these. Uh, before we do, though, I, I would like to just give you a little, um, a little history of our church. Uh, today is our 23rd anniversary. We were in San Diego, California at the Lighthouse Baptist Church on staff with uh, Brother Fisher, one of our most wonderful, great friends and close confidants. He's a great man of God. He still is just, uh, just as close as ever far away geographically. I can call him up anytime I want. He, 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 uh, his wedding day was on, on the same day as Julie and I, and I got married. Um, and so, but he never said that, and he was real quiet. Nobody ever knew any of his personal life. He's very inward. And uh, yet, he, we didn't know him very well. We, I think we were there for about a year. Uh, I was just getting to know him as my pastor. And yet, when we chose to get married on, on our day, that was the day he got married to his wife, but he never said a word about it. All through the reception, dinner, and all that, the rehearsal, and all the way through, he never said a word. And I found out later that uh, his, his uh, wedding anniversary was ours. And it was just, just that kind of an atmosphere. And uh, Brother Fisher, uh, he was my pastor for several years, and I got to serve with him. And when the Lord called me to come up to Washington State to start a church, he was excited. He wasn't threatened. He didn't say, where are you going? You're going to leave. Oh, no. You know, he said, this is awesome. He, this is great. And he supported us as church planning missionaries as if I was still on staff practically. It was, wasn't for as much. But my goodness, he supported us for five years. And we came up with a big U-Haul truck and and my goodness, I could tell you story after story. We left and took a U-Haul and parked it down at Brother Smith's church. And we came up in a suburban with seven children. We got a hotel down there at uh, um, uh, Holiday Inn Express. And the lady said, what, what's going on? And I said, well, we're here to check into a room. She says, how many rooms do you need? I said, well, I don't know, but I just think you got one big enough for all of us. She gave us the top suite with a kitchenette. And my poor wife, with seven children, one room, while I looked for a house to live in and tried to get a rental, and we stayed there for 10 days. And my wife needs a medal for that. I mean to tell you, I was out looking, 
and, you know, in a city I'd never been to, looking all for houses and rentals. And, man, I, I went everywhere. I went places you really should not live. And, I, you know, every city's got a couple places you should stay away from. All of a sudden, this one guy, um, uh, I, I don't know if we found it in the paper or not, but anyway, the, the realtor says, that we found a house for you. Do you want? Okay, we'll go look at it. And, and she says, uh, yeah, but you got a lot of kids, and I don't know if the owner would like that. Well, we met the owner and, uh, later on. He became our close friends, and he came to our church. And uh, just a great, great guy. He's with the Lord now. But we, we came up by faith uh, on, as a missionary, and we started knocking doors. I'm in the first summer, we knocked 8,000 doors. I mean, we had guys come up. We had four guys come up from San Diego, and they stayed with us at our house that we finally rented. And, and so uh, we got up uh, every morning, and uh, we ate breakfast, had prayer, and we went out knocking doors and passing out tracks. And my goodness, it was so intense. I never worked so hard. And I thought, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Somebody's got to come to church. But uh, they, we were downtown uh, Bellingham, and one of the guys said, Pastor Shaver, could we please stop in here at Rite Aid? I said, sure, what's going on? You, you're not feeling well? He goes, no, we need... We need those Dr. Scholl's foot pads. Our feet are getting worn out and blistered, knocking doors. <laughs> Amen. Oh, that's great. I love that story. Amen. But uh, we put them to work, man, and we knocked 8,000 doors and get, got going. And, and on our first day at the Carl Kozier grade school, we, we rented a grade school for Sunday morning only. That's all we could get. And we had to have insurance, and oh my goodness, it was like, it was like dealing with a whole bunch of liberals. I went into the office, and I, I said, hi, I'm Pastor Shaver, and she said, what do you, what do you want? <laughs> I said, well, you know, you got the YMCA there, that's Young Men's Christian Association. We'd like to rent uh, the cafeteria if you don't mind. And she goes, well, uh, you have to have insurance, you know. I said, great, how much do you have to have? You have to have a million dollars liability. Back then, I never bought it. And when you hear that, you go, I got to have a million dollar liability insurance? I don't know, <laughs> I quit. But uh, then I looked up and it was only $300 a year. So I got the insurance, I got everything, I got the things going. And the lady did not like, she goes, what do you want to do? I said, well, I didn't want to say I was starting a church because, you know, they, they, they just hate that. Uh, in the school board system. So I said, I'm going to start a Bible study. She said, oh, well, you know, there's a separation of church and state. She pulled that on me. I said, oh, I, I know. I was in the Navy for five years, and I, I, I supported this country so we could do this. I said, you wouldn't want to discriminate, would you? And she said, well, you need insurance. So anyway, we got in. Amen? So you can pull that card on anybody you want. You know, you can discriminate against me as a Christian. I'll sue you. But anyway, but no. Anyway, uh, so we were there for two years. On our first day, we had 117 people. Now, you say, where are they now? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Who knows? But... We had 117 people start the church, but that was in September. The first um, 
I think by, by June, all the curiosity was gone. All the dedicated people were gone uh, for other. By the way, they really shouldn't have been there. If you're a member of a good church, why would you go to another one? You know, I mean, what are you doing on Sunday? So you see, that's why soul winning is so important. You got to go out and find your own people. Amen. You can't just keep borrowing sheep from other churches and stuff. That, 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 that's wonderful for the crowd size, but doesn't really, doesn't really give you the f stability that you need to start a church. So by the, by the first summer, we had 20 people left. Uh, from 117, I'm like, where's everybody going? <laughs> but we, um, we have 23 years under our belt now. We've had some big days and some small days, and uh, I don't even care anymore. I just love serving God. I want to thank the Lord for giving. By the way, all of our kids are 23 years older. By the way, you know what? Jack was not 23 years ago. June was not. Joanna was not. Jeanette was not. So we had, we've had some children since we've been here. Uh, let's see, Justin would have been 10 years old. No, 23. Yeah, you would have been 10 years old. Seven? I got my math wrong. Who was 10? One of our kids was 10. Yeah. So anyway, 23, yeah. That's, that's amazing. And so you know what? I don't know what anybody does for 23 years anymore in a row, but I figure let's just stay in church. How many, how many promise you'll give it your best shot for the next 23 years if the Lord wills and you're still living? Brother Manetti, I believe you. Uh, he's going to make it. Uh, I plan on going for until I'm about 100. I'm, I'm really, if, I, if, if, if the coffee stays pure, I'll make it. Amen. All right. Pray for those that aren't feeling well. By the way, you know what kind of cell phone I had in 1997? I was telling Brother Carl, I said, the big old fat, huge radio thing. It was like a Nokia. You know, you had to pick it up and take it off your belt and lift up a lid and hit a bunch of, it looked like a great big, huge brick, you know, that you put on your belt. Aren't you glad that we've come a long way since then? It's, uh, it's great. Some have a cell phone in your wrist now, just like the iPad thing or iPhone. What is that? Huh? Yeah, I watch. And then the Fitbit, your bit's throwing a fit, but I don't know. <laughs> Let's look at Psalm 23. God's been so good to us. I want to pick just one verse out of here. By the way, there's so much in this psalm that you could, uh, you could analyze it and dig into it. And you could feed yourself on this one psalm for so many, many, many months. If you just meditate on your devotions, even on this one psalm. Let's read it. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Uh, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think God wants us all to stay in church. Amen. This is the house of the Lord. Jesus only did uh, two major things. The first major thing he did 
above all things that Jesus ever did was he died on the cross for the sins of mankind. He died for all the sin of all mankind. He died and he shed his blood for your sin, my sin, their sins, any sin. If there's any sin in the world, his blood was there to shed, to pay the price for all of mankind's sin. He created man. He gave man the choice. Man choose the wrong way. But Jesus had a master plan that he had, had submitted uh, before the world began that he would die on the cross to shed his blood to cover those sins. Whoever would sin and whatever sin would be committed, you take the worst sin in the world. And there's only one sin that he didn't die for and that's the sin of unbelief. If you do not believe in Jesus and you die, you cannot be forgiven of your sins. Every other sin can be forgiven. In fact, blasphemy itself is actually a sin of unbelief and, and people die with that and they, they can't get redeemed. And the other thing he did was he started a church. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you realize that those two things aren't... You've got you to gotta admit, the world is so much better off now with Jesus started his beautiful small church that duplicated itself all over the world. And now we have the gospel spreading all over the world. Uh, you know there's, there's gospel churches even in Iran right now. The people are getting saved in China. There's people getting saved all over the world when they hear the gospel. There's a lot of needy people in the world today. I wish America needed the gospel in their hearts and recognized their need like other countries recognize their need. There's pockets of revival happening in different places all over the world. I wish that would happen right here in Linden and in Washington, Whatcom County and Bellingham. I really do. So we have this wonderful, uh, wonderful, uh, just, just this ability that we have now, this open door for God to bless us in the house of the Lord. And today I want to tell you uh, that my cup is running over. And if you'd look at your life, you'd have to agree. Your cup's running over. Uh, I remember vividly a prayer one time I prayed while I was in college. Nobody was in the dormitory. I was just sitting in the doorway, kind of leaning up against the doorway. It was all quiet. Nobody was there. So I prayed out loud. I said, Lord, if you could just bless me, I don't need to be famous. I don't need to be well-known. I, I don't need to be rich or powerful or anything like that. I'm not asking for a great, huge and, uh, influence all over the world where everybody knows my name. I said, if you could just bless me and let me serve you, even if nobody knows me, I would really appreciate that. I just want to do something for you as with all my life, I want to give my life to you, and I don't care who knows me. I don't care. I don't care. I don't. I don't care about billboards. I don't care about fame, glory, none of that. No, I'm not interested in that. And I was praying that prayer, and I said, Lord, if you've got a city, if you want me to pastor, that's that's wonderful. If you if you just want me to have to do something, I don't even know what what it is. Uh, I, I told him I'd go to the mission field. I'd do anything he wanted. I just didn't care about. It. Anybody knowing me, you know what I mean. I, I didn't, I'm not after, 
I'm not after riches and fame and glory like Solomon prayed the greatest prayer. He said, I just don't know how to go in and come out. I, I just need to be, I need the understanding, right? And so I prayed along those lines and boy, did God ever bless me. He answered my prayer. He really did. And, and I, I want you to know there's, there's no reason why our church uh, can't be just as blessed and just as holy and just as righteous as any other place. And there's no reason why your cup can't run over just like everybody else's that's in the Bible where their cup ran over. How many would say David's cup really did run over? Now, this morning, I want to talk to you about that. Uh, since that prayer, my cup is running over. Now, in 2020, almost 40 years later since I prayed that prayer, my cup has been running over. And today, as we celebrate the, the 23 years, my cup's been running over here, too. I have so many stories about how God has filled up my cup. My goodness, how do you raise 11 children in Whatcom County starting a church without two or three extra jobs? How do you get a church started? It's not me. It's God that did it. It's God that did that. There's no doubt about it. It's too big of a miracle. I prayed the Lord. I said, I know I can do this because I can't do it. Does that make any sense? What a paradox. What, what, a, what, a, what a strange thing to say. Lord, I know I can do it because I can't do it. And he understood what I meant. You don't understand what I just said, do you? But how many understand? When you can't do something and God wants you to do it, it has to be he that gives you the ability to do it. And when you pray, he said, pray, believe. And if you believe, he shall, he'll give you the answer. But you don't believe enough. So now you got to say, Lord, help my own belief. Are you with me? I, he says, I want you to believe. I don't know how. God, help me believe. Okay, I'll, I'll help you believe. I'll make a believer out of you. You know what God did for me? He filled up my cup. He, uh, my cup is running over. And I want you to recognize your cup, too, is also running over if you'll look at it the right way. Now, the first thing I want to see, I want you to see with me, is found in Revelation chapter 7. Look now quickly in Revelation 7. Uh, salvation is the first cup that God wants to pour out to you and give you so much of it that you cannot contain it. Revelation chapter 7, verse number 10. We're going to go to Psalm in a minute, but uh, look at Revelation 7 and verse number 10. And they cried, these, these, the, the 144,000 that were sealed uh, in, in the day of uh, the great tribulation area uh, of history. I just want you to see verse 10. And they uh, cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And uh, all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders of the four uh, beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and, uh, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. 
That's the God of salvation. That's the first thing he does. You know, you can't, ha you can't even have a cup to offer to God if you don't offer the empty cup of your heart to fill you up with salvation. That's the first thing God does. He says, come and drink from the water. Uh, I'll give you water. You've never, once you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. Your cup never dries up. The cup of salvation isn't something that you drink and then it's empty. The cup of salvation is always full. You're never going to lose your salvation. You're never going to run dry. God never takes his salvation away once he gives it. If he, if he took salvation away, it wouldn't be eternal, and he promised us eternal life. And when Jesus uh, saved you, he filled your cup up with salvation, and that's the first cup, that's the first thing God wants to do. That's the most important thing God wants to do to anybody. If you're struggling with that, just your struggles are over. Trust Christ and ask him right now to be your personal savior. He will fill your cup up. And by the way, the, the edge of the cup is also called the lip, right? It's called the lip of the cup. And uh, out of your lip, you'll, 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 the salvation comes up through, uh, from your belly. And it says, uh, out of your belly shall flow rivers of water. And that cup of salvation, you can't keep it quiet. If you're saved and you've never told anybody, you better check your salvation out, you know, if... If, if, you, if you're saved and you never tell anybody about it and you're not proud about it and you can't say it and you can't... The Bible says, uh, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So salvation is full and free and for everyone. It's for everybody. And it's for you. It's for me. That, that cup of salvation is the greatest cup you ever, you ever had filled in your life. Everybody out there running around the world that's not saved, they've got an empty cup. God's not going to fill that cup until they offer it to Jesus and say, Lord, please come into my heart. Please be my Savior. I trust in you. I believe you. Uh, like the thief on the cross, he didn't have a fancy prayer, did he? You know what he said? Lord, would you remember me when you go into your kingdom? Jesus knew exactly what that man was saying, and he said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He saved him on the cross. Did he get baptized? So that, that throw out baptism for salvation, you get baptized for another reason. You don't go to get baptized to go to heaven. Baptism is a whole other reason you get baptized. You don't get baptized so you can go to heaven. Sorry, Church of Christ, you guys are wrong about that. You get, you get, you get, you get baptized to please the Lord, to honor him, to identify with his people, and you get baptized because you're not ashamed of him. That, that's the, that's the first step after you get saved. Amen. Let's look at this now. Psalm 116. I'm hurrying because, again, I'm running out of time. Psalm 116 says in verse number 13, notice, notice this cup of salvation. It says in verse number, number 13, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. He offers, would you just hand me that cup for a minute? I want to fill up your cup with salvation. And uh, I offered mine when I was 17 years old. I said, Lord, I just, if you're there, would you please come into my heart and be my personal Savior and forgive me of all of my sins. I was 17, never read the Bible, never understood anything, never went into church. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't some strong intellectual person. I was just a, a long-haired little brat, just, just a hippie. 
uh, you know, I wouldn't even graduate from high school, just a little creepy kid, you know, that was uh, just, just living a life of a normal, you know, just kind of a ratty kid. And uh, I, I was, uh, I was, uh, I was just, just, just bad. I wasn't criminally bad, but I was bad. And I had nowhere to go. I didn't fit in with anybody. I was too short to play basketball. I was too light to play football. I was too scared to play baseball. I loved all those sports. And, uh, but, um, you know, I just didn't fit in. And then I said, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a jock. I'm going to, no, that didn't work out. Uh, then I know what, I'll be a logger. I'll go and get me a big old four-wheel drive truck, and I'll act really tough, and I'll hang around the guys that go out into the woods and go, and that didn't work either. And I know what I'll do. I'll join the chess club. I'll be an intellect. And uh, I, I didn't like that crowd either. So, I mean, you know, I'm going to college. What are you doing? What? Why are you wasting your time at college, man? Go into the Navy, you know. So anyway, I didn't fit. I didn't know what to do. But I, one day I asked Jesus to come into my heart, and he filled my cup up. My cup runneth over. My cup running over with salvation. Number two, my cup of fellowship has been grand. Look at Acts chapter number two. Would you go there, please? Acts chapter two. You remember what happened right after they started to uh, enjoy the power of the Holy Spirit? So there was already a church there. It was already functioning. They just lacked a lot of power. They, they, they were timid, shy, bashful. They didn't really have a, a lot of direction. They needed to know exactly what to do and there was a church there. It was a, it was a small church. They had the Great Commission. They, they had the, the, the blessings of God. They had the right doctrine. They had everything you need to have a church. They had 120 people. They just didn't have much power. And when the Holy Spirit came, the Bible says uh, that, that uh, the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would be witnesses and they would go out into the world but now in Acts chapter 2, if you'll look at w with me, there's something happened to the church right after the day of Pentecost. It's really exciting because they all started to love one another and team up together. They had a wonderful day of salvation. Peter preached. There was 4,000 people, or excuse me, 3,000 people that received Christ as their Savior. And then they got baptized, notice. Let's look at chapter uh, 2. And verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So that's a big, big church. That's a big movement. That's huge. 3,000 people. Most I've ever seen baptized in one day were 300. I've never seen 3,000 people baptized in one day. But that's what happened. Now, and that's not the point I'm making. Look at verse 42. Here's what the cup of fellowship will do for you and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and and in prayers now that's the beauty of being in a church i've never been where i was looking for a church family i've always been in a church family since i got saved i joined uh, lighthouse baptist church then God called me out to go to college, and then I, or up here to Washington, joined a, um, a Bible Baptist Church in Port Orchard. And then when God called me to college, I went and joined uh, 
the Trinity Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Then after college, I, I joined Tabernacle Baptist Church in South Dakota. And then when God called me to San Diego again, I joined that church there. And then when God uh, uh, called me again to go work in, in Jacksonville, I joined the church again. And then when he called me back to San Diego, I joined that church. And then when I came up here, I joined my own church. <laughs> I'm a member of Evergreen Baptist Church. I've never been looking and say, well, I don't like that guy and I don't like that guy. And that family treated me bad. And this guy over here, oh, I don't want nothing to do with that guy. And I don't believe this guy. And I don't like that guy. And I don't like that guy. And I, in fact, I don't like anybody. Uh, there's no church good enough for me now. I'm no, churches are not good at all now. Oh, because human beings run them, right? Guess what? God wants you in church. Come on. That's, David said, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I ain't quitting church. People come and go. It's like a train, you know. I started this engine. Kitchen, 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 kitchen. Woo, woo. Get on board, man. Evergreen Baptist Church is going down the track. Y'all come. And then, um, and all of a sudden, a couple hopped on. I said, come on, more than that. And then they come chugging down the road. And then somebody get on. Hey, this is great, man. I love this train. Now I'm getting off. Don't get off. Just stay. No, they get off and get on and get off. I've been going down the track for 23 years now. And you know how long this train would be if everybody stayed on board? Buddy, I'd go all the way down around the world two or three times. There'd be no train bigger than the one I got. But for some reason, some people don't do that. <laughs> We've had people come to the church and just, oh, this is the greatest thing in the whole world. Pastor, you're awesome. You're the greatest thing. Oh, there's nobody better than you. Next day, I hate your guts. I'm out of here. What did I do? It's the color of the carpet. You spent $5 on that thing. You shouldn't have spent that much. All this, oh, good gracious. You know what? Now I don't care anymore. I'm still going to chugga, chugga, chugga down the track. Amen. Woo-woo. <laughs> uh, this train is bound for glory. This train. You ever know that song? I don't know anything other than those words, but I'm not going to sing it to you. I got the greatest fellowship in my life with people in church. I found my wife in church. I found the best friends I've ever had in church. I found out how to love God in church. I found out how to read my Bible in church. I found out how to pray in church. I found out how to teach the Bible and understand the doctrine and divide the word of God. It's just amazing. Because I had great fellowship. I had people that loved me. My cup's running over with fellowship. You know what? You know what the Bible says about a pastor? You know what he's supposed to be able to do? Uh, he's supposed to be uh, full of hospitality. You know how many people we had stay at our house overnight the first year we started the church? 25 people came and stayed at our house. I learned to cook salmon. I learned how to barbecue better. I mean, you know, you, you become a good cook if you have people over. And uh, plus, it helps you keep your room clean, too. Amen. Uh, oh, no, I got to clean up the living room. Oh, we're having company. Boy, my wife, I don't know what I've done. The, the worst thing I can do to my wife is say, we're having somebody over. 
Why didn't you tell me? I'm telling you now. <laughs> Don't do that to your wife. Amen. I'm just giving you some wisdom. Amen. Give her some warning. And it's just the greatest fellowship in the world. My cup runneth over. I got greatest salvation known to man. I got the greatest friends and fellowship. My cup runneth over. You know what else is? A cup runneth over with the ministry. If you ever want to get busy in the Lord's house, there's stuff you can do. You know, when we built this building, we didn't lay the cinder blocks, but everything else is, <laughs> we did it. Oh, my goodness. And that's just part of the ministry. Just uh, uh, we've, we've been down to the mission. Uh, we, we've knocked just probably, I think, I think I tried to do the math in the last 23 years. I think it's, it's, it's somewhere around 80 to, 80 to 90,000 doors just in uh, regular soul winning and talking to people about the Lord. And, and, and by, by the way, Bellingham, they said, oh, you can't do that in Bellingham. Well, I found out why they say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a difficult place. There's people, oh my goodness, there's some strange, strange. I, I was talking to one lady, and she looked down at her plant, and there was a slug, and she goes, that's my God down there. And I said, what? That slug. That's my God. I said, that slug is your God? Yeah. How about I talk to people and say, See the hills and the beautiful valleys and the rivers and Mount Baker and Shexon and all this gorgeous, uh, this, 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 the earth. You know, we're up, you know where we are? We're in tree hugger country. This is ground zero for tree hugging country. You say, prove it. Okay, I'm going to prove it to you. I was having devotions at Cornwall Park early one Sunday morning. And I was heading back to my car down through a trail. I looked over. And a lady, uh, she looked to be about 25. She's a college student here at Western somewhere. Uh, not, not that Western's bad. It's just that most of it is. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but she had her arms around a great big fir tree. I could take you to the tree. It's still there. They haven't cut it. It's a god. Anyway, uh, they, she, had her, she parked her 10-speed bike. She didn't know I was up here. Uh, hunkered down praying and I came down the, the walkway and I looked over and she's got her cheeks smashed up against the bark and she's just going like this I thought I'd never see that in my life but I saw it a tree hugger I'm very ashamed of myself I'm very ashamed to this day I'm very sorry because it shocked me so bad as I was walking by I didn't get my Bible out and say, you know, you need to Jesus as your Savior. I completely messed up. I completely lost it. I said, are you okay? She, she, went, she looked at me like this, like she'd been caught doing something really bad. And uh, I must confess, I said, that's weird. <laughs> and I should have been giving her the gospel Fire me, I don't care. I'm sorry, it was 20 years ago, but it was just really weird. I'd never experienced somebody hugging a tree. We're ground zero, but that's the ministry we have. Is that right? Hey, listen, we got worse than that now. We got, we got all these people out here. They're turning this country into the God of their dreams. Jay Inslee, our own governor, is worshiping the planet. Don't look at me like I said something wrong. I'm not sorry I said that. He's worshiping the planet. We got people in our government that worship the planet. 
He's calling these fires. You know what he's calling them? He's calling them climate fires. Well, no, duh, it's hot because it's fire. Talk about global warming. Hey, buddy, it doesn't global warming is not what caused the fire. But now that the fire's hot, I guess the, the, it's warming up. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, if they'd have just taken care of the forest like they should. You know what God said? Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the, everything. We're supposed to take care of this property, not make a God out of it. You don't go up to a tree and hug a tree. What's wrong with you? I didn't, no, 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 no. Get your hands off that tree. Get the Husqvarna out and cut it down and make a house out of it if you need to. Some of you look mad at me. But, you know, we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to just be a great waster. We're not supposed to destroy everything. But there were woodcutters in the Bible. Did you know that? When Solomon made the temple, you know what he did? He went to Hiram in Tyre and Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon were the most greatest cedars in the world. They're beautiful. And he, he floated them down to Tyre. And he bought cedar trees in abundance. And, and David made a whole house out of cedar was he, was he against the environment? No, he was, he was treating it like it ought to be. That's why God gave us that good smelling wood. Amen? Man, I, have you ever tried to name trees? Or there's, I, could, I could name you hundreds of them. Oh, or not hundreds, that's an exaggeration. Um, thousands. Anyway, uh, but, but there's, there's elm and there's ash and there's cedar and there's dogwood and there's madrona and there's maple and all these beautiful trees. You know what? That's not to worship. You're supposed to cut them down. Put them in your house and put your coffee cup on the table. Lay your plate down on the kitchen table made of beautiful walnut, mahogany. Amen? Come on. And then the plate's got salmon on it, by the way, which we're all supposed to eat. Jesus ate fish. Salmon is a fish. Jesus killed that fish to eat it. We took care of all that. Now that, that takes care of most of the classes at Western Washington. But anyway, <laughs> the ministry that we have, we're dealing with all kinds of people. And there are big days, there's prayer meetings, there's Bible conferences, there's all kinds of barbecues and soul winning and work days around the church. There is bus routes and uh, choir specials and preaching and singing. And I remember the first thing that got me into church was the ministry. They were working on a church day, and the preacher said, Hey, Tab, can you come and help? Can you paint this classroom? I said, No problem. I'll paint it. And so I tipped over a bucket of paint on the floor. I accidentally kicked it. And it just, you know what paint looks like, half a gallon on the floor on the carpet. I was so scared. My preacher came, and he started laughing. Instead of getting mad at me, I mean, it was a church work day. Yeah, he, it was just an accident. And I learned something from him. Never get mad at somebody when they're trying to do right. Never get mad at somebody when they're out working and they break something. Just laugh about it. It's just something that broke. Who cares? I'd rather have somebody break something on accident than not show up. But he said to me, he said, whoa, you've been drinking again. And it was just fun. You know, we had church work days. I ended up putting a whole roof on that church. Just, just 
ministry is not just uh, just passing out tracts. There's all kinds of things involved, and your cup runs over when you get involved in the house of God. Serve God. The cup of ministry is running over. And then lastly, the cup of love. Um, you know, God's not done. Look at First John chapter uh, 3 with me. And we'll be done today. I've gone over, but my goodness, happy anniversary. And let's, 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 let's think that what God could do with our little church, uh, we almost got the building paid off. Uh, we, we are looking for new things to do, and uh, God's going to give us a great, great end of the end of the year. We got right away, pretty soon, we're going to have Thanksgiving, Christmas all over again. The end of the year, it's going to be over. And then we're going to have our business meeting. We're going to take and chart new territory and new, new, new uh, goals. But it's fun. It's fun. But I wouldn't be able to do this if somebody didn't love me. And if I didn't have the love cup, the cup of love from God, fill me up and run over, my goodness, he has he's done so much for me. Look at John, 1 John 3. He says, Behold what manner of what? What manner of love? What manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Now, I want to say something. Your biggest problem in life is that you don't know how to love people properly. That's, that's why marriage break. That's why marriages break up. That's why churches have problems. You don't know. Human beings don't know how to love other people. Jesus said, I... I want you to know how to love people. I want, I'm giving you a new commandment. As I have loved you, I want you to love other people. Love in, among the brethren. My biggest problem in life is not, is not what you might think, but I know what it is, just loving people like God loves me. That is the biggest problem. It's simple. It's your biggest problem. I promise you that's exactly what your problem will always be, is that you don't know how to love people like, you, like God loves you. If you could learn that, I promise you, you'd be a wonderful person. And then the second thing is, it's just like that, but it's in reverse. We don't know how to accept people's love. We don't know how to be loved. When somebody's trying to be nice to you and trying to love you, no matter what you've ever done, you don't know how to accept it. We hold grudges. We, we hold problems. We don't know how to forgive. You know, if we could love like God does... And then we accept love like God does. Do you know God would take a drink of water from you if you gave it to him? Do you understand that that's, he, he accepts love? You know, God, God does say, I want you to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. My cup of love has run over. Boy, when I got saved, I realized God loves me enough to forgive me and, and, and save me. And then another time is when I realized that he wanted me to preach the gospel. Well, he must love me to let, let me do that. Of course he does. But then even bigger than that, I found, I found a woman in this world that she could have had just about any other great guy, but she chose me. So she's been my wife now for almost 34 years. She loves me. That's one of the greatest, biggest things that ever was a signpost that God loved. When she said yes, that she would marry me, I thought God opened up heaven and the whole thing caved in all on top of me. 
because, I mean, I'm still, my cup is full. My cup is running over with the love of God. And then, you know what else did? You know what, when I, when I found out people would like to come to church and put up with me, yeah, that's, that tops it all. Come on, really? Do you know how many times I preach in one year and you keep coming back? I got to think there's something, there's something. Either you're looking at me like, well, I just want to go and see what kind of a crazy kook he is. And then I, or either that or you're the kook, <laughs> right? Something either wrong with somebody. How in the world could this be that God loves us? And love comes from the Lord. God is love. Today, there's peace in my heart that just about every cup I've ever offered to the Lord, he's filled up. And I want you to think of them. Lastly, you can close your Bibles, but on the day that he had the Last Supper, you know what he said to the disciples? He said to them at the Last Supper, this is the cup uh, of, of my blood. This is the New Testament. You know what he told the disciples? He said, drink ye all of it, all of it. Drink as much salvation as you can. Drink all the ministry, drink the fellowship, but drink up the love of God. Just don't let the cup just sit idle. Drink of it. Because every cup that you have, the Lord is run over. David said, my cup runneth over. We Christians, we're the only people that have abundant life. Did you know that? We're the only people that know how to love. We're the only people that know how to have friends. We're the only people that know salvation because we are saved. We're the only people that really know anything about what the ministry is all about. We're not really all good. I mean, we're not the best in the world. We do know what it's about. It's about others and good salvation and baptism and getting your family in line with God, having devotions, read the Bible and praying together and having a good attitude. Amen? We, our cup is full. And I hope that you and I today would just remember that. 23 years, uh, I just have one thing to say. My cup is running over. And I want to praise God that he's been so good to me and my family. He's been good to our church. And I hope today that if you, if you would think for just a minute, maybe you just haven't looked at it like God wants you to look at it. Your cup is running over if you look at it right. Let's bow our heads for prayer.